All right, I came across a quote this week uh, that I thought was great and just absolutely perfect for Father's Day. It's this, I gave my father $100 and said, buy yourself something that will make your life easier. So he went out and bought a present for my mother. (laughs) Absolutely. Story number two that I thought was too good not to share. Uh, Once upon a time, there was a little boy who heard a knock on the door. He opened the door. There was an older man standing there. The little boy says to the man, who are you? He says, well, I'm your uncle on your father's side. To which the man, or to which the little boy responded, I'm sorry, sir, but you're on the losing side. All right, today is Father's Day. And honestly, I feel like dads kind of get the short end of the stick when it comes to their holiday of appreciation. And do not hear me wrong, I'm not trying to take away anything from mothers. I already see some of you giving me some dirty looks. That's not what I'm doing. Our mothers deserve all of the appreciation we can possibly give them. I'm just saying we tend not to show dad the same amount of love when his holiday comes around a month later. I have proof of this. Okay? Mother's Day became a national holiday in the year 1914. Anyone want to guess how long it took for us to get Father's Day as a national holiday? 1972. Okay. Also, think of every sitcom that you have ever seen, okay, with very few exceptions. All right, who is the smartest and most capable person in every household? It's always mom. Okay, who's basically another kid who can't do anything right and is always messing up everything that mom has to come in and rescue? It's dad every time. Okay, and I looked this next thing up on the internet, so I know it's true. Okay, actually, I went and looked it up on Snopes. So it's actually, this is verified fact, and I went and found the data to support it. Okay, but AT&T says you are 20% more likely to call home on Mother's Day than you are on Father's Day. And the one thing that Father's Day holds the record for, okay, and has always held the record for until the advent of cell phones made it irrelevant, is that more collect phone calls were made on Father's Day than any other day of the year. Okay, just to put a little bit of a personal touch on it, uh, several weeks ago leading up to Mother's Day, I was on the phone with my sisters coordinating a gift for my mom. We got her this very nice thing. It's got the names of all the grandkids on it, and we spent quite a bit of money on it. And so we all pitched in, got her this very nice Mother's Day present. Okay, guess what we got my dad for Father's Day? A card. Okay? Not a gift card. A greeting card. It's got Hallmark on the back, cost about $2. Okay, that's what my dad got. All right, and my goal this morning is not to try and make Mother's Day and Father's Day equal. I recognize that is far beyond my capabilities, and the last thing that I would want for us to do is to turn that into some kind of a competition. And my true goal this morning is I want to help us remember just how important the role of a father is. I strongly believe that the ideal that God had in mind for us is to grow up with a mother and a father. Okay, we need dad. Now, I know that we don't live in an ideal world. I know there's a lot of reasons why some people grow up without a father in their household. None of us had a completely picture-perfect household. Can I know that many of you had to find a father figure who wasn't your biological dad? 
Okay, but somewhere along the way, someone or many someones filled that father role for you into all of those men, into all the people who have served as fathers. Today we say thank you. I think another reason that this is so vital is because when we look to Scripture, we see the primary metaphor, the primary image that God uses to relate to us is in the role of father. We are His children. He is our Heavenly Father. Okay, Scripture says a lot of things about God. God is King. God is a mighty warrior. God is judge. There's a lot of things the Bible tells us that God is. But overwhelmingly, more than any other image used in the entire book, God chooses to reveal Himself to us as Dad. And so what I want us to do with the rest of our time this morning is I want us to look specifically at three ways that God shows us how He fulfills that Father role in our lives. Hey, if you're a father, think, what does it look like for me and my household to act like God in these three ways? How are we supposed to be this kind of father figure to our children? And how are we supposed to be thankful to both our earthly father and our heavenly father for how he fulfills these three roles in our lives? Okay, so here's ways that God loves us as our father. Okay, and the number one is God loves us as our Father because He is our example. In one of the most famous stories about Jesus, towards the end of His ministry on earth, He wanted to show His disciples how to love like God. And so at dinner that evening, He got up, wrapped a towel around His waist, and started washing His disciples' feet. They immediately protested. They said, this is not the way it's supposed to be. You're the greatest. We should be serving you. It should be the lowest servant who washes feet. It doesn't work this way. Okay, but notice what Jesus says in John chapter 13, starting in verse 12. It says, when he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Right now, here's what Jesus could have done. Right, And if I had been Jesus sitting in this place, what I would have done is I would have preached a sermon, okay? And I would have said, guys, you're supposed to love each other and you're supposed to serve each other and you should always be eager to take the lowest place, right? Jesus could have preached that sermon. Jesus was a very good preacher. It would have been a very good sermon. He could have told some good stories about that and made a really good sermon teaching them how they should serve each other. But you notice that Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, Jesus knew the most powerful way he could teach them a lesson on service was for him to get up and show them with his example, here's what service looks like. I guarantee you none of those 12 guys ever forgot the day that Jesus washed their feet. A big part of the reason that God came to us in the flesh was to give us an example for how we should live our lives. Okay, and that's what good dads do. You know, I can tell my two sons all day long that they should treat women with gentleness and respect and love. Okay, but all of the research and all of the common sense says the ways my sons will learn how to treat women is how? 
They'll watch me and how I treat Rachel, right? I can tell them one thing, but if I don't treat Rachel with gentleness and love and respect, they will not grow up knowing that's how you treat women. Your example is much more powerful than the words you will ever say. Okay, in the same vein, I can tell my kids all day long that church is the most important thing to be part of. Okay, but if my example doesn't back that up, if I don't make this church a priority, what are they really going to learn? They're going to learn other things, right? They'll learn, well, football is really more important or whatever else it is, right? I read an article this week in the Huffington Post, and I thought this was really interesting. It says this. It says, it is impossible to overestimate the importance of dad. Children who are well-bonded and loved by involved fathers tend to have less behavioral problems and are somewhat inoculated against alcohol and drug abuse. Yet when fathers are less engaged, children are more likely to drop out of school earlier and to exhibit more problems in behavior and substance abuse. Okay, this next line is the reason I put this quote in here because I thought it was amazing. It says, research indicates that fathers are as important as mothers in their respective roles as caregivers, protectors, financial supporters, and most importantly, models for social and emotional behavior. Okay? That goes against what society usually teaches us. Okay, society usually teaches us that mom is by far the most important thing in your life, and so long as you get the mother thing right, dad is kind of irrelevant. Maybe dad goes and earns a paycheck or something else that's nice to have, but really we could get by without dad. Okay? Research says otherwise. The Bible has always told us otherwise. We need dads who will provide examples of what godly living looks like for their children. You want to know how to act in life? Look at the example of your heavenly father. You want to know how to be a better parent? Okay, think about all the behaviors you want your children to demonstrate and then live those out. A, God, a godly father sets a good example. All right, number two. God also shows us his love by being our provider. Okay, he is our provider. I want to read to you a passage from Deuteronomy chapter 32. Uh, keep in mind this is a poem that we're reading, and the hymn that he keeps referring to in the poem is the Israelite people. Okay, Deuteronomy 32, starting in verse 10. It says, In a desert land he found him, in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. The Lord alone led him. No foreign god was with him. He made him ride on the heights of the land and fed him with the fruit of the fields. He nourished him with honey from the rock and with oil from the flinty crag, with curds and milk from herd and flock, and with fattened lambs and goats, with choice rams of Bashan and the finest kernels of wheat." You drank the foaming blood of the grape. And the poem goes on for several more verses, reminding us of God's provision. Okay, this is in the middle of a sermon that Moses is giving to the people of Israel, trying to get them to embrace the covenant that they have with God. Okay, he's telling them, it's what we call the, the Deuteronomistic theology, right? The, the teachings of Deuteronomy, which is the big word saying, if you do things God's way, guess what? It works. You'll be blessed. 
your life will work the way it's supposed to. If instead you decide to be stubborn and do everything the way you want to and follow all these other gods, it's not going to work. You're going to have problems. You're not going to be well fed and taken care of. You want to get provided for right? Do what God says to do. Follow the Lord. Within this, he's reminding them everything good you have in your life, you have because it is a gift from God. God gave you the promised land. He gave you the food. He gave you the wealth. He's given you everything you need. Therefore, live a life that honors him. God is our provider. All right, one of the problems that we are currently experiencing in my house, uh, specifically with my four-year-old, is that he's very demanding. Uh, For instance, one thing he says to us regularly is he says, Hey, I need a sandwich. Like, well, excuse me, was there a request in there? Is there something I can do for you, son? Okay, and he'll say, oh, I'm sorry, may I please have a sandwich? Yes, you may have a sandwich, but you can't demand it. You have to ask for it respectfully, right? Okay, about two weeks ago, my car died, and I looked at it and said, I need a new car. I could almost hear a divine voice behind me saying, excuse me, is there a request in there? Is there something I can do for you? You know, it's easy for me to see how I provide for my son. It's a little harder for me to recognize that it's my father who similarly provides for me. Okay, so today, thank the dad who provided for you. All right, and this goes way beyond money, okay? This is about making sure that your children have the various supports and structures that they need in order to be successful. Okay, you can give your kid a million dollars and not be a good provider, right? Those are two very separate things, right? Thank God for all that he has provided. And if you're a dad, recognize that taking care of your family is not just something you do because you have to. Okay, but it's your first ministry, okay? That is your God-given task. All right, number three, God loves us unconditionally. I want to read you a passage from Hosea. Uh, It's a little bit long, but I couldn't find a good way to break it into something smaller, and it's also really beautiful, so I left the whole thing in here. This is Hosea chapter 11. It says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Will they not return to Egypt? And will not Assyria rule over them because they refused to repent? A sword will flash in their cities. It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me, even though they call me God Most High. I will by no means exalt them. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over Israel? How can I treat you like Admah? How can I make you like Zeboyim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. 
I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. I will not come against their cities. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come from Egypt trembling like sparrows, from Assyria fluttering like doves. I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. Hosea is a great book for a lot of reasons, Uh, but maybe more than any other book in the Bible, Hosea teaches us that no matter how big our sin is, no matter how badly we hurt our Heavenly Father, absolutely nothing can separate us from His love. God loves us unconditionally. He loves us unconditionally because we are His children. God loves us as our father. Several years ago, uh, there was a man named David Saunders who was waiting in his driveway at his home in Hanover, Michigan for his daughter, Danielle, his little four-year-old girl, to get off the school bus. Well, the school bus stopped and a pickup truck was stopped behind the bus. And so Saunders crossed the street to meet Danielle at the bus and then the two of them crossed the street together and stood in the Saunders driveway. While they were standing there, the father noticed that a car behind the bus was traveling too fast to stop before entering the crossing zone. So the car swerved to avoid the pickup truck and headed straight into Saunders' driveway. Saunders grabbed his little girl Danielle by the arm and threw her away from himself and into their front yard. The car hit the father and killed him immediately and Danielle was treated for minor injuries. Both the 16-year-old driver of the pickup truck and the 15-year-old passenger were not injured. The sheriff's captain, a man named Tony Phillips, said this. He said it was a heroic act by a father to save his child. He did everything he could, and in the process, he lost his own life. All right, let me ask you, how many of you as parents would sacrifice your life for your child? Okay. Um, now, let me, let me change the scenario just a little bit. What if they'd been really whiny that day? Okay? What if they'd really been misbehaving? What if the kid had looked at you and said, I don't like you anymore? Even worse, what if the kid had looked up at you and said, I hate you, Dad? Okay? Does that change it for you? Suddenly then you, you'd not sacrifice? No, it doesn't change it at all, does it? Why? Because you love your kid regardless of how they feel about you that day. You love your kid purely because they are your kid. You would willingly sacrifice your life for your child because you unconditionally love your child. The reason that you and I are here this morning celebrating is because God loved us so much that he sacrificed himself for us, his loving children. There's no greater act of love in all of history than the gift that Jesus gave of himself on the cross because he loves you and me. The ultimate call that we have as followers of Jesus Christ is to love our children, it's to love each other, it's to love the world around us with the same kind of love that Jesus first showed for us. All right, this morning at this time in our service, we're going to sing a few verses of an invitation song. During the singing of this song, I will be down front, one of our shepherds will be down front. We would love to meet with you and talk with you about anything that's going on in your life. And if you have a prayer request, a special need, if you'd like to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we would love to have that conversation with you during this song. This song is us, as the church, being here for you. 
And before we sing that song, though, I'd like to close us with a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. Let's stand.